What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drunk Turkey Show. I'm your host, Daniel. And today we're going to be talking about um, some new information, some new leaked information that was uh, brought to News Nation, a source um, close to them, talking about the night of the incident, November 13th, in the wee hour mornings, uh, in the wee hours of the morning, um, where allegedly Brian Kohlberger entered um, a house on King Road Ranch and viciously took the lives of four beautiful young people. And so before we get into it, I just want to remind everybody to please hit that like and subscribe button, ring that notification bell. Um, Tonight we'll be going live. Apparently there was a secret um, court proceeding where uh, there might be a new affidavit coming out. We'll be recovered. We'll be um, going over all those details later on tonight. If it ends up coming out. Um, That was also another news headline that we're going to be talking about regardless tonight. So make sure you ring that notification bell. Don't, don't miss our lives. This type of uh, content usually gets demonetized. And so the reach doesn't get there. So help the algorithm by hitting the like button. So back to the cotton source close to, um, I guess they said the inner circle of Dylan Mortensen uh, went, you know, reported to news nation or news nation reported that um, some chilling new details that during the night, Dylan, apparently opened the door and yelled out to uh, the noise that was being created. She appeared uh, to have thought that it was friends and there was just a bunch of you know horseplay going on and told them to be quiet, right? Now, I've heard this before. Uh, a viewer had brought up this up to my attention, sent me audio and a video of uh, um, somebody claiming to be in Dylan's inner circle. And this is basically that source's story. Now, we'll go through it. We'll listen to what they have to say as far as this source goes. But I do want everybody to understand that I have no idea if this guy is true or not. Everything is speculation. Um, I'm only bringing this out. Now, I was aware of this for a few weeks now. I'm only bringing this out now because a source from News Nation that I'm sure that they were able to verify and vet has some similar similar accounts to what this uh, person who put this video on YouTube is uh, is claiming. And so without further ado, let's get into it. Now, I do want to I want to I want to add a couple of things. So before we move forward, News Nation also had a source who stated that, uh, you know, Ethan was uh, was attacked in the hallway and that Zana's injuries were very severe to her fingers and things of that nature. Um, does, you know, this account doesn't account for the type of screaming noise you would consider or would think you would hear, but let's get into the content. So, okay. So before we dive into what I'm referring to about the Fed screwing or attempt. Now, real quick, back again, I did, I did speed up. The audio because it was painfully slow. I think it was actually even slower than um, I think it was slowed down. Um, I sped it up to almost one and a half percent and it ends up sounding pretty normal to me. But if it sounds fast to you guys, that's probably why it's because I sped it up. I just wanted to put that out there real quick. Thing to screw Dylan and give you a brief background as to who I am. So my girlfriend is in Dylan's inner circle. And by inner circle, I mean inner, inner circle. Like, they've hung out almost every day since the incident. 
occurred. And I've seen her a plethora of times as well. So you're going to notice I'm not going to use words like allegedly, supposedly, because all of this is actual firsthand factual information. Um, where should I start uh, to clear things up? Uh, first of all, there's a lot of misconception about uh, Dylan suffering from PTSD or trauma or any of that. None of that is accurate. Um, in fact, when we try to console Dylan after the incident, she's the one that was laughing at me and my girlfriend and I talking about we're so weird and we tried to give her a hug and stuff. Um, so she's still the same old Dylan. She's had a rough life growing up. She's been through a lot. Uh, she doesn't have PTSD and didn't suffer any trauma. Um, the incident that night, uh, and what I'm referring to with the feds, the feds actually put a lot of words into her mouth that she didn't say herself first. So they, there was a lot of leading statements that they were insinuating to her. And she was really scared the first few days, obviously, after the incident occurred. So, like, the reason none of it makes sense in the affidavit is because it didn't really happen that way. So she never stood there shocked when she saw the individual. She was just standing in her doorway, like, you know, like anybody who opens the door. It was just, you know, she opened the door and yelled at Ethan and Zana and who, who they thought, who she thought was their friend. She yelled at them to be quiet. That's what was going on with that situation. And, and she just went back into the room. She locked the door like usual and, you know, went to sleep. Everything was quiet after she yelled at them. So she didn't think anything of it. For everyone who's creating these random stories about her being shot. So according to him and according to this story, he yelled at uh, Dylan yelled at them and then turned around and closed the door and locked it and went to sleep, didn't think anything of it. According to that part, it doesn't specify whether or not he came in contact visually, you know, person to person there. Uh, maybe he's mistaken because he talks about, you know, the FBI coming with pictures and things of that nature. But I did want to bring that out right away. Is he says she yelled at him, turned around, locked the door. Now, again, I, I want to reference this. I, I don't know who this person is. It is um, um, as far as the voice goes. Um, I don't know how verified or how close he is to, you know, how if it's real or not. However, some of the things that he was saying a few weeks ago, almost a month ago, are, are coming out as far as at least from what News Nation is reporting. And so I just wanted to reference that one more time. Doctor, traumatized. She didn't realize anything was going on. And it might sound crazy, it might sound dumb, but she really had no clue anything was going on. Uh, they were being a little loud, so she yelled at them to be quiet. And that's it. She, closed, she locked her door and she just went back to her room. You know, and she didn't want to be nosy or anything. So. You know, she, she was kind of new to that house, so she didn't want to be nosy and, you know, get up all up in their business, especially, at, you know, in the middle of the night or early morning. So it's as simple as that. Everyone trying to blow that whole situation into something that's not. Um, so, yeah, that's that. And she didn't actually get a real good look at, uh, at Brian. 
you know, at the time she assumed it was one of Xana and Ethan's friend who was just getting ready to leave, who was walking out. She didn't get that good of a look. The feds were really aggressive with Dylan the first few days, which is why she hired the attorney to begin with, because of the treatment of her during the interview, more like an interrogation, to be honest. Um, so that's why she got an attorney because the way they were talking to her and, you know, they didn't really understand or believe why she's the only one alive when you kind of skip rooms to get to the other two rooms. Um, so she didn't really like the feel of how the, you know, the interrogators or the feds were, were talking to her. Um, and within like a few days after the incident, they approached her with pictures of Brian. I was like, is this the guy? Do you think this is the guy? This is definitely him, right? And so according to him, after a few days, now, is that a few days after the interrogation portion of what he was talking about? You know, at first few days where, um, you know, just strictly, you know, hounding her, talking to her about, um, you know, the, you know, why did they skip her room? You know, why was she alive? She yelled out. I mean, clearly, if she yelled out in the manner that she did, you know, the whole thing about, you know, did Brian Koberger maybe perhaps not see her? doesn't play into this now perhaps perhaps maybe he's thinking you know he's doing he's in the commission of this crime he hears somebody yell out he's thinking that maybe perhaps they're calling the police and so he needs to get out of there asap sees her knows that she had yelled probably just leaves right just because police are on the way this is rural idaho this isn't a big area this is a small area so you're probably figuring out that the police are going to get there within a matter of minutes, uh, if not less than that. You know, the police department wasn't very far from uh, the uh, the house. It was just a few blocks away, probably about maybe eight to ten blocks. And so, <clears throat> in my opinion, I mean, it, well, we'll put it this way in the, in the probable cause affidavit uh, at 326 a.m., He's seen at the uh, 700 block of Indian Hills Drive. That's beyond the police department, right? That's behind it. That's also in a neighborhood city, in a neighborhood where he had to go through some, you know, stop signs and things of that nature. It was a little bit further distance, and it took him all but three minutes to get from that area to the 1122 King Road residence. A police officer not having to follow, you know, with lights and sirens, not having to maybe completely follow the rules of the road and lights and stop signs, things of that nature, probably could get there in about two and a half to two minutes. And so, and that's not including if anybody or there isn't an officer that's nearby on patrol. And so once he heard somebody scream, it may have been, all right, it's up, time's up. And that may have been also why uh, he may have left the uh, knife sheath. You know, he uh, hears somebody, forgets, you know, he's like, oh crap, there's somebody awake, somebody heard me. Somebody's calling the police, time to get out of here, forgets the knife sheath altogether. All and so doesn't realize it until after he's left. Uh, we'll continue. I'll back it up a little bit. Brian, I was like, is this the guy? Do you think this is the guy? This is definitely him, right? And they were almost leading her to believe this has to be the person. And Sorry about that. So we'll, either way, we'll go back a little bit. He's saying that Dylan... Um, they gave her pictures of him and pressed uh, pressed her uh, for 
the identification of Brian Kohlberger. Now, he stated a few days. The, from all indications, the information wasn't given over to WSU to locate Brian Kohlberger's car until late November. You know, that's more than a few days. Even if, you know, let's just say um, we'll give the benefit of the doubt that they pressed her for about five days and then gave her an additional week, seven days. That's still not enough time for the time that WSU went out there and located Brian Koberger's vehicle and sent over his picture to uh, Officer Payne, who then saw the eyebrows and thought that these two people could be the same person. And so this is well before that. I wonder what else they had that pointed the arrow at Brian Koberger, if this is all true, of course. We'll continue to listen. Brian, I was like, is this the guy? Do you think this is the guy? This is definitely him, right? And they were almost leading her to believe this has to be the person. And she wasn't really sure. But they kind of put those words in her mouth. It's almost like, you know, they were insinuating it so much to where she was like, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, no, it's definitely him. Um, and that's when they just kind of like ran with it. So what you're seeing in the affidavit is it, it just, it didn't play out that way. Um, so um, Dylan's attorney and her, and actually all of us are pretty upset at how they threw her under the bus. Now I hear that shuffling too. This is fast forwarded. So um, initially I thought it sounded like paper shuffling you know, at normal speeds. And so I think this guy's reading from what he wrote. We'll continue. And actually all of us are pretty upset at how they threw her under the bus in the affidavit. When's the last time you've seen a witness or like a snitch in a case, their actual names being mentioned, you know, the fact that they didn't redact it. Um, we all. He used the term snitch in the case. Informant comes up quite a bit. Now, they put Dylan Mortensen's name in the probable cause affidavit. I don't think that they're trying to. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think that they're trying to hide her, conceal her, and not put her into the case or when trial comes. So I don't think that's the case. But they use the term snitch. I mean, and, you know, maybe perhaps Dylan didn't tell her friends everything, especially if she may have known the, the person or the perpetrator. Perhaps she she told the police who she thought they were or who he was and uh, didn't want to seem to be a snitch. And so told her friends that they showed me pictures of somebody. But the term snitch comes out just kind of seems like maybe, well, this also could be a reason why. You know, if, if these folks here are, are thinking in this terminology and thinking in this world or what, they're snitches instead of coming forward to the police with the information that you have, that might lead to why also they were calling friends instead of the police during the time of, of worry and the most time of panic and, and uncertainty. And that's one thing I want to bring up, too. So this source goes throughout all this information, but doesn't bring out that Dylan called everybody in the house. That was revealed by one of the family members of Ethan Chapin and why they were questioning why Dylan didn't call police. She was able, she was, whatever she saw, 
scared her enough to at least call the other the you know the other housemates now perhaps and i've said this before maybe dylan did answer i mean uh, bethany did answer and during that call uh, it gave her some sort of false sense of security so to speak and so she went to sleep that's not how this plays out but it does seem logical um and possible this guy here who's talking let's just say he's 100 accurate his girlfriend is very close to dylan it, it it doesn't mean that he got all the information right or he's not exaggerating the story either. So it's not coming firsthand. We'll continue. I'll think that the feds and prosecutors threw her name in there purposely to apply more pressure because Dylan was really wishy-washy during the interrogation. And with them, you know, putting these words you know, set in stone on paper, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on her now because everyone views her as like some star witness, the star of the case. So that's what we all believe that she kind of is getting screwed over by, you know, the feds and the prosecutor, you know, because now she has to testify and she has to say kind of what, you know, what words they put in her mouth instead of what she actually believed, you know, and what she actually knows happen you know like with her own words not words that were like shoved in her mouth you know this seems to allude that she knows something different and that her belief is different than what's in the probable cause affidavit um i question what is it that he thinks could be different is it just the fact that perhaps you know the only thing that's different is that she didn't see anything really and she didn't really identify Brian Koberger and that the, uh, you know, that the law enforcement are, are trying to push her hand into, you know, positively identifying Brian. That reeks a cover up, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, you know, I would I would I would expect the police department to come forward once they had pictures of Brian Koberger and to ask her to identify and to see if she could identify him, but to apply the pressure that he's alluding is, is kind of, uh, it's putting somebody under duress. And that's not really the typically the best, you know, approach. Cause if it does, if it comes out that she was under duress and forced to make these, you know, this witness testimony, then a lot of this case is going to get thrown out. We'll continue. So, yeah, her attorney is pretty upset. She's pretty upset. But at the same time, she knows that, you know, she can be a huge help in this case. So it's not like she's identifying somebody she didn't see. It just didn't play out necessarily like, oh, bushy eyebrows. She saw bushy eyebrows, you know, and was able to 100% identify him, you know. Um, it's just initially when, you know, detectives and feds came in and took over the scene, the scene had been contaminated so badly by A, the local authorities, when they first came, first responders, they stomped all over the place, contaminated the scene. You know? He's not wrong. This is a picture from the day there, and you can see that this officer here is not wearing booties. Um, you know, it looks like there appears his hands are covered. He probably is wearing gloves, but he's not wearing booties over his boots. He's stomping all over the ground inside this house. He's not wrong there. Just wanted to point that out. You know, all the, you know, other people that were at the house. 
they are, you know, walking up and down the steps, you know, to make sure what they're seeing is what they're really seeing. Um, so, I mean, this is a scene that was really badly contaminated. So to equal the playing field, the feds feel like, you know, having a star witness is, you know, is, is critical here. Um, but just the way. I will note that uh, that part has to be speculation on his part, um, regardless of what Dylan knows and what Dylan has told him. Uh, there's no way that he knows that information that the feds need a star witness. They need a witness to cover up some kind of deficiency in the evidence. I don't know if he knows what the entire evidence is. I know we all don't. And so I just wanted to bring that up. The way she was being interrogated initially was, uh, it's kind of crazy. It's not what you guys think. They weren't being all sensitive and gentle to her. They were really accusatory and kind of, you know, pressured, you know, put, put the press on her. Thought that she might have something to do with it because it just didn't make sense to them why she's the only one alive. And on top of that, didn't see anything or really hear anything. You know, she didn't want to be nosy, didn't want to, you know, get up in her roommate's business. She told him to be quiet. You know, I mean, the last thing that crossed her mind was people are getting slaughtered next door and upstairs, you know. So um, I think uh, that's pretty much everything I've covered. So, yeah, just to go over the whole you know, suffering trauma. She was shocked that she saw him walk past her. Like, it's not as dramatic as you guys think. It, like, he was already halfway towards the kitchen and walking out. Um, and for all of y'all that are scratching your heads, yes, police do lie. They've kind of thrown everybody around the ringer through this whole case from the very start. Um, and you have to think about it. Why would a, a survivor, a victim, have to hire an attorney? Obviously, there were mistreating her pretty badly as they're interrogating her you know now, especially now throwing her name in the affidavit like that you know that's all because they're pretty upset she hired an attorney to begin with and because they want to put a lot of pressure on her from the public for her to be the star witness um but aside from that she's doing good she's the same old dylan um uh and uh yeah no there's no trauma ptsd anything you know she really feels for you know her friends who deceased and you know she does beat herself up a little bit about you know not being more involved in the situation that night but you know realistically i mean something like that's not going to cross your mind that something like that's taking place in your house you know so yes she does feel for the family and you know she's really saddened by the whole situation but as far as her as an individual she's still the, the same person she's not like a traumatized uh, individual you know um so, yeah, I think I pretty much covered everything. And um, uh, let's see. Yeah, nope, that's everything. And that was everything that he had. Um, so a lot of a lot of stuff to unpack there, a lot of stuff to listen to. It's a, um, you know, if it's true type of situation, then, um, well, yeah, I think this brings up a little bit more questions and maybe perhaps even more of a, a defense for Brian Koberger, who, you know, let's face it, that witness testimony probably wasn't the strongest evidence there. You have somebody possibly under the influence of alcohol in the middle of the night identifying somebody who's covered their mouth and nose. And the only identifiers are his eyebrows, his height and weight. That's not the biggest or the strongest case there is. Now, when you compile that up with you know, his phone being off at the time of the uh, of the incident, you compile that up with um, him being around the area 12 times, the DNA on the sheath, you know, everything else altogether you know, in a bundle kind of points in this direction of Brian Koberger. But there are certainly 
certainly some things that uh, open up the eye a little bit and maybe draw a, a question of, hmm, like, what's this type of situation? And so let me know in the comment section, guys. Do you guys find the uh, person speaking credible? Do you think that his story is true? It does seem to kind of align with what was reported to uh, News Nation. Um, and what News Nation put out there last night, like again, that's the only reason why I put this out there was because of the fact that New Nation, News Nation states that they've got a source. So I'm assuming they vetted that source and found that that person was at least who he says or whoever it was that came forward. It may not even have been this man. It may have been his girlfriend that came forward um, and spoke to News Nation. However, this information that came forward was a little too close to what I had heard before. And thought I would throw this out there. Let me know in the comment section. Please, please hit that like and subscribe button. Ring that notification bell. Don't forget tonight we're going to go live again. Don't want to miss it. Peace.